All right, welcome back to From A to Arbitration. And again, I have the honor of having National Officer Jason Ashley in my studio. Uh, today, he's going to talk about unauthorized overtime and discipline coming from unauthorized overtime. And to me, it's a difficult one for us to defend. Um, but there are things that we can do to help ourselves uh, defend discipline or defend against discipline as it pertains to unauthorized overtime. So uh, Mr. Ashley's going to take this over and he's going to go into detail about how we're going to handle these things when they're presented to us as shop stewards. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to my good friend, Mr. Jason Ashley, and he's going to talk to you about unauthorized overtime. So Jay, welcome back, my brother, and have fun with it. All right, Corey, I appreciate it. And look, uh, you know, again, disclaimer, I'm not a national officer. I've really enjoyed, I've had a blast here in the palatial from Ada Arbitration Studios today. Uh, it's an honor to be invited. Corey's right. Look, this, this unauthorized overtime is something that we, we face a lot. Um, and there's some things we can do to help, to, to help defend our brothers and sisters with this. Now, there's another friend of ours, mine and Corey's, who's also an advocate down in Mississippi, and this is his pet peeve. Uh, we'll just call, we'll f refer to him as the commish. The commish has had a lot of these unauthorized overtime cases. And for whatever reason, locally we have not made the arguments that we, we should make. And uh, so he's had a very hard time with these cases, trying to get these arguments in at the hearing. With that being said, he's been very successful at doing so. And now when we talk about unauthorized overtime, it's obviously, it's going to start in the morning, right? When you get your mail, it's a Monday, it's a day after a holiday, it's every day if your route's overburdened, when it comes time to fill out that 3996. So you fill out the 3996, and look, one thing I want to stress, you know, I see this a lot on the workroom floor, the 3996 is not a negotiation. Okay, we're not going to try to, you know, we're not going to start out asking for an hour. Management says, I'll give you 30. Okay, how about 45? That's not how it works. The 3996 is your estimate of your workload. That's how it is. And just off the bat here, I want to talk about a step four that deals with this. It's M00464. And what this step four says is, we find that local management can properly request letter carrier employees to estimate their workload to the best of their ability when the employees request overtime or auxiliary assistance. The information obtained by the carrier's estimation is not intended to be used to discipline carriers or to set work standards. That's very strong language there from the national parties at the step four level when we're talking about unauthorized overtime. The 3996 is just an estimate that's all it is. You've got no idea what might happen out there on the route that day. And, you know, everybody knows that. Uh, so just keep that step four in mind when you're facing unauthorized overtime discipline. To me, the most important thing when it comes to defending against unauthorized overtime discipline is to educate your members, educate your letter carriers on how to handle these situations. If we handle them properly, there's nothing management can do to make some discipline for this stuff stick, okay? We've got to be sure that people, number one, fill out a 3996 in the first place. Fill it out completely, all right? And then, like I said, it's not a negotiation. 
If you request an hour of overtime and management approves 30 minutes, you've done what you're supposed to do in the morning. That's all. There's no need to argue. There's no need to fuss and fight. There's no reason to take offense. It is what it is at that point. All you can do is finish casing your mail, load your truck, and go out to the street and do the best you can do. Now, if you run into that situation where either all or some of your overtime has been disapproved in the morning, then your members need to be sure to know that at some point during the day, they need to make a call back to the office. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they don't like to use their personal phones, and I get that. But this is a situation where it can be really helpful to you when we're talking about unauthorized overtime. What we want to do as carriers is to make management make the decisions, okay? We don't get paid near enough to do their job for them, all right? Make them do their job. So when some or all of our overtime gets disapproved, we're out on the street, we realize we're not going to get back by the time they gave us that morning, we got to call back to the office, use the scanner to, to text back or whatever, something. We've got to make some contact with them to let them know, number one, we can't make it back when they want us back. And number two, what do I need to do with the mail? All right. So now that puts the ball back in management's court. At that point, they're going to tell you one of two things, or they should tell you one of two things. They're going to tell you, one, continue delivering your mail, or they're going to tell you, two, bring the mail back in eight hours or in the, the amount of overtime I approved. Okay. So if that happens, that's the ideal scenario. You've got clear, concise instructions on what to do, so you do it. Simple as that. Now, where the problem comes in is, of course, management knows we're going to do this, right? They know that we're going to call back and ask for further instructions. So you may have one that thinks they're getting smart or whatever, and they'll just try to give something, uh, an ambiguous answer to you, like follow the instructions you were given this morning, or even better, deliver all the mail and be back in eight hours. Okay, that's the classic catch-22 instructions, and they're never going to get away with that, okay? So remember, educate our people, fill out your 96. It's not a negotiation. If you can't make it back in the time approved, call back for further instructions. I would say, you know, use your cell phone on the scan or the scanner to text. That way it's documentable if it needs to be in the future. Now, there's another step four, you know, when I'm talking about calling back to the office and, and what they tell you, this is another very powerful step four to use. It's M00326. And it says, a review of the material submitted at the fourth step level indicates that the grievance did inform management of their inability to complete their routes in eight hours. Further, it was demonstrated that they were ordered by management to complete the routes. Although there was no expressed authorization to complete the delivery of the mail on an overtime basis, the permission would be inherent in the authorization to continue delivery after notification that the grievance were unable to complete the routes. That's open and shut right there. If you call back to the office, they tell you to continue delivering the mail. They have approved your overtime. That's the bottom line there. Now, one other sort of facet uh, to this issue is PS Form 1017B, and that is the uh, unauthorized overtime report. So how that's supposed to work is anytime there's, there's quote-unquote unauthorized overtime in the office, management is supposed to notate that on this report. They're also supposed to come ask the carrier, hey, what happened? Why didn't you make it back, you know, in your allotted time yesterday? 
a lot of people, it seems like, are not even aware that the 1017B report exists. So remember that if you're facing this situation, PS Form 1017B. And I guarantee you, you know, 95% of the time, if you request this report, what you're going to find is either A, they don't have one, they don't keep one up, or B, they have one, but they have not approached the carrier to figure out what happened that day. Or they've lied and made something up and, and put it in that column. One of the two. So a way to address the 1017B, it seems to me, is if management's doing what they're supposed to do and coming around the next day and saying, hey, Jason, you know, what happened? Why did you take 35 more minutes than you were supposed to yesterday? First thing I'm going to do is ask for my shop steward because it sounds to me like they finna try to discipline me. All right, that's what I'm going to do. Now, they're either going to give me a steward or they're not, or they're going to leave me alone. More than likely, they're just going to leave me alone. After I ask for my steward a few times and me and him go back in the back and take 15, 20 minutes to talk about it, they're probably going to stop doing that in the future. But because I've asked for my steward about this situation, we go to the back. I've got a good shop steward. They're going to be taking notes about that. So now that's documented. Now them asking me about my overtime on January the 5th is now documented, and the reasons that I gave are documented. You know, y'all know as well as I do, anything can happen out on the street. Y'all know as well as I do that management bases the overtime they're going to authorize on projections. Doyce, PET, you know, whatever the flavor of the month is with the Postal Service and time projections. You know, while we're talking about that, this is sort of another facet to this issue. And this has been addressed at least three times at the national level. Management's tried over and over and over again to come up with a magical computer program that tells you how long it's going to take to deliver your mail. So it started with M01444. And the computer programs at issue in this case are called the Peace Count Recording System, Projected Office Street Time, and DOICE. Right? So the National Party say that daily peace counts recorded in accordance with the above reference systems will not constitute the sole basis of discipline. Right? So there's one. Here's another one. I'm sure everybody's familiar with these next two. M01664. This one is strictly about DOICE, and it says the Delivery Operations Information System is a management tool for estimating a carrier's daily workload. And then it goes on to say, as such, projections cannot be used as the sole basis for corrective action. And then again, you had a district try to get cute, and we ended up with another step four, M01769. And this step four says, the office efficiency tool used in the greater Indiana district. And then the National Party's sort of uh, added this phrase that to me is sort of a catch-all for anything that would include PET. The efficiency tool used in the greater Indiana district or any similar time projection system tool will not be used as the sole determinant for establishing office or street time projections. So there's several different angles to attack this from. You've got the 1017B angle. Did management do what they were supposed to do with the 1017B report? Did the carrier give reasonable explanation for why they went over whatever they were allotted that day? You know, there might have been a Christmas parade or a train. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It might be bad weather. All these things are something that these projection tools don't take into account, especially now with the parcel volume like it is. To me, 
the projection tools management uses have never been more inaccurate than they are now. With the decline in first-class mail volume, letter flats, and the increase in parcels, there, there's no way that these projection tools can be accurate when we're talking about the parcel volume that letter carriers deal with now. So again, like I said earlier, really defending against this sort of discipline starts with educating the letter carriers you work with, how they need to handle overtime requests, and if their overtime request is disapproved. Remember, you gotta put in the 96 to begin with. If you're not gonna make it, you gotta call back somehow to get some further instructions. Now I've got a site I wanna talk a little bit about. This is from arbitrator Louise Wolitz. Now sort of the background to this case is that uh, I believe this was a day after a holiday so the letter carrier in this case put in a 39.96 for i don't know a couple hours management disapproved all but 32 minutes now when management tells me that they're going to approve me 32 minutes of overtime i know right off the bat they got it straight from the workload status report straight from the projections right so that's your first clue there later on that morning even though they initially approved 32 minutes the station manager told the guy to be back in eight hours so the letter carrier goes out on the route he's delivering his mail he knows he's not going to make it back he calls back to the office i think a total of three times nobody answers the first two which i'm sure y'all were y'all were used to finally he gets a hold of the pm supervisor who wasn't there that morning and he says hey look you know i put in for time this morning it got disapproved i'm not going to make it what do you want me to do with the mail and here's what the afternoon supervisor says. The afternoon supervisor says, follow the instructions you were given this morning, be a professional carrier, la-da-da-da-da, all that BS. Okay, so now this carrier's really put in a tough spot because he was given two different instructions that morning, right? He was approved 32 minutes of overtime to begin with. Then later they told him to come back in eight hours. So he did the sensible thing, it seems to me, and he followed the most recent instruction he got which is be back in eight hours. So that's what he did. He came back in eight hours with the mail and then he gets to work the next morning and for some insane reason, management puts him on a 16-7 first and then they give him a removal. Now, you guys know just from the background of that that that's never gonna fly, right? So to sum up what arbitrator Wolitz decided in this case, she says, we must conclude that management failed to give Mr. Alexander clear instructions as to what to do when he could not complete his assigned delivery within eight hours. Since he thought those were his instructions, he brought the mail back. He did the best to follow his instructions as he understood them. If he had misunderstood them, Miss Berkeley, who was the PM supervisor, had the opportunity to correct that misunderstanding. She did not do so. And obviously, the guy was brought back to work and the removal was rescinded and expunged. So that's just a few tips on how to address unauthorized overtime. Again, just to review real quickly, you gotta educate your people, fill out your 96, call back to the office, put it on management, make them make the decision, then you follow that most recent instruction you got and you should be fine. Shop stewards, 1017B report. You get some discipline for unauthorized overtime, pull that report, see what it says. Confirm with your carrier that it even happened. 
that management even came to him and asked, hey, what took you so long that day? Confirm that the answer they have on the report is the answer he gave. Even better, educate your people to ask for their steward when management comes around the next day talking about why did you work this unauthorized overtime. Use the step fours we talked about. M00464, M00326. Use both of those that talk about the 3996 isn't to be used for discipline. Talking about the inherent authorization when you call back to the office. Use those step fours. Use the step fours related to projections. 1444, 1664, 1769. Use those in your files as well. And since Corey doesn't normally do this, I haven't heard it yet on one of his episodes, I'm going to ask you guys to subscribe, to rate, and to comment on the From A to Arbitration podcast. Thanks.